Hey everyone, welcome to another episode, a special episode with David Heath from Dave's Corner of the Universe. Check out our upcoming episode of People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos if you want to hear a sneak preview of a podcast Dave's brewing up right now with me. Also, uh, check out the Ken Height Beowulf episode, and why not uh, listen to the Beowulf episodes of uh, this month so far? And in, uh, Anglo-Saxon sonnets. So yeah, there we go. Uh, this episode, as always, is brought to you by BunnySlippers.com. Keep your feet warm this winter with BunnySlippers.com. Makes a great gift. Check out their cool Cthulhu slippers and also their dinosaur sound slippers that make a roar every three steps. Rawr! All right, so let's get going with some David Heath from Dave's Corner of the Universe.com talking about Beowulf. My name is David Heath, and I write a blog called Dave's Corner of the Universe. And today we're going to start out with a question. Is Beowulf boring? Before I get on to sort of the bulk of this podcast, uh, let me share my personal first experience with Beowulf. I was a freshman in college, and I was taking a mythology class, and Dr. Hull had a, a large section on uh, Beowulf. Now, I'm sure I had heard the term. I knew that the, the, the basic of the story. I knew who Grendel was from the Grendel comic books, but I didn't really, know, other than Grendel was from Beowulf, I really didn't know much about it, and, you know, the comic book, they just used the term Grendel. So I knew of it, but I didn't get into a deep dive until I was uh, in college. And where we studied it pretty deeply. And my first impression is that Beowulf is a fairy tale for guys. You know, and I would say that's the last thing that's boring. It has, you know... Warriors. It has um, creatures and creatures' mothers and dragons. I would have never have thought Beowulf as boring, and I still don't. But one person who did happened to be friends with Michael Crichton. Uh, Crichton is most famous for writing Jurassic Park, Andromeda Strain. Um, the original script for the movie. He is known for science fiction thrillers. But one of the books that he wrote in 1976 is called Eaters of the Dead, subtitled The Manuscript of Ibn Fadlan Relating to His Experience with the Northmen in A.D. 922. And this is unlike anything else Crichton wrote. Even Timeline, his time-traveling story, is completely different. But at the same part, you can see Crichton in, in the writing. One thing is that it's written as a manuscript, um, where if you look at the opening parts of Jurassic Park, or Andromeda Strain, where you see that it's written, at least the 
the prequel chapters are written as sort of a scientific magazine article on the subject. Now, many people are familiar with Eaters of the Dead because of the movie The 13th Warrior. And full disclosure, I haven't seen the movie. Uh, not that I have anything against it, I just haven't had a chance. Um, in fact, I even tried to watch it over the weekend, but I was having computer problems. So we're going to be talking about Eaters of the Dead and how it relates to Beowulf, not how 13th Warrior relates to Beowulf. One way that I think it's unique, though, to Crichton's writing is that the main character, Ahmad Ibn Fadlan, was a real person. He, he was an actual adventurer, diplomat, writer. So Crichton is taking a real person and he's building him into this fantasy of Beowulf. This is one of the ways that he's going to sort of make it as credible. And for a long time, I understand that many people thought that Eaters of the Dead was actually based on, on actual original source texts. Now, Crichton does this too at the end in his bibliography. He cites, you know, real and other texts as his source. Now, he does this kind of wink-wink because one of the sources that he cites is the Necronomicon as written by H.P. Lovecraft. Crichton is many things, but what he absolutely is not is a fool. He knows exactly that H.P. Lovecraft created the Necronomicon. He knows that he is borrowing from the writing styles of Lovecraft. He's not saying the Necronomicon's a real book. He is saying that I am playing with the same tropes and ideas and even this concept that we want this to be, this story to be developed like a well-crafted hoax that Lovecraft did. In fact, the more and more I think about this book, it should be considered part of the Lovecraftian canon. Now, not the Cthulhu mythos, because Creighton's going to have explanations that are very scientific or pseudoscience in his stories. And he's not going to default to magic or outer space gods, but it's very Lovecraftian in tropes. And I think that Crichton in his bibliography is admitting that he gets part of this from Lovecraft in a period where Lovecraft is just beginning to come into the American conscious. This is 1976 he wrote it. And I think that the tour books could be bought, the mass-produced uh, Lovecraft books could be bought I think 74, I'm not sure. But otherwise, you know, you would have had to have gotten Lovecraft stories from Arkham House or, you know, the original Pulp stories. So, in ways, Crichton is at the 
beginning of the wave of Lovecraft that we're going to see, that we're seeing now. Now, most of you probably know this. Crichton graduated medical school. I don't think he was a doctor. I think he became a writer right out of residency. So he was never actually, I think, a practicing doctor. But he's obviously smart. He went to medical school. He has a very keen scientific mind. And we see things like that in Andromeda Strain and Jurassic Park. But sometimes his science is proven as faulty as Lovecraft's. And we see that in Congo, where, you know, they're after the diamonds because they think they're going to make excellent computer chips in the future. Well, no, we don't use computer chip diamonds in the future, but it was a possibility. And so the same type of edgy, possible fringe science that Lovecraft uses Crichton uses, but he uses it maybe a more possibility. But both of them use the same pseudoscience in their stories. And what I'm talking about is the theory that creatures like elves and trolls and leprechauns and dwarves were based on either actual pre-human races like the Neanderthal that survived into the Middle Ages or the ancestral memory of these creatures. And that's where we get the Eaters of the Dead. And spoiler for people who were listening to this and not reading the book, but the Grendel-like creatures are not monsters created by a curse or by Cthulhu. They are... Neanderthals that have survived possibly even the last of the Neanderthals. And as I spoke last month on um, People's Guide to uh, the Cthulhu Mythos, you know, this was a strong influence on the writers Robert E. Howard and, and Lovecraft. They loved this idea of pre-existing, pre-human societies. And Crichton probably was influenced by the writings of Howard and Lovecraft. Now, one word that you notice that I have not used while I was talking is the word Viking. And the reason why is Viking is not a nationality. It's not an ethnic group. What it is is an occupation the word Viking probably best translates into English, um, Scandinavian sea-based pirate raiders. So not all Northmen, and not definitely the Northmen in this story, are Vikings, even though we just generically throw that term out for all Scandinavians of that period in time. So, do I think that Beowulf is a boring story? Absolutely not. It's got monsters, it's got feasts, it's got dragons. It's an exciting story. In addition to being historically important, because it's one of the first things we have written in English. It's the preserved by 
monks, it's, you know, it's not going to be perfect history because it's going to have dragons in there, but it's got some important historically, if not for one of the oldest, if not the oldest, uh, English language story that we have. Now, do I think that Eaters of the Dead is boring? Well, in concept, I don't. I love this retelling. I love this pseudoscience. And, and from an academic point, I love the fact that it's sort of a, a modern academic, you know, devouring sort of these ancient texts. But in some ways, I think Eaters of the Dead is a little bit more boring than its inspiration. And one of its strengths to me, and again, your mileage may vary, with its narrative of being a contemporary, academic, find and scroll, begins to wear a little bit by the end of the 288 pages. And I think I understand why in Jurassic Park, Crichton starts that way off in the prequel and sort of gives it this history of, of the company and genetic exploration, or it does the same thing in Timeline where it gives the sort of the history of, you know, quantum physics, but then when it comes time for the bulk of the tale, goes into this sort of, you know, standard third-person narrative adventure. Again, it's something that starts out for strong, strength for me that begins to, the longer the story goes, the less powerful it becomes. Now, you may love it, and if so, so much the better. I mean, we don't all have to agree on, on literature. In general, I do like the book. I recommend the book to anyone who is interested in that time, interested in the concept that there are or were pre-human creatures that exist as boogeymen in the night. Um, and it is a, it's a good book. Uh, I just found that the, the format sort of dragged on me. And as much as I like Eaters of the Dead, I'd also recommend people read Beowulf. I don't find it boring at all. I find it this exciting three-part story of the growth of a hero. Again, my name is David Heath, and I write a blog called Dave's Corner of the Universe. Dave's Corner of the Universe dot com. Thank you for listening. This has been part of Blacklock Audio Tales on pgttcm.com. Find out more at pgttcm.com and look for audiobooks.